ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد صدى شابتا باب من تبرك بشجرة او حجر ونحوهما the one who seeks blessings seeks baraka from a tree or a stone or similar to them the chapter regarding the one who seeks baraka from a tree or a stone or other object similar to that the chapter regarding the one who seeks the blessings from a tree or a stone or other than that similar to that with regards to seeking blessings we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made certain places, certain times, certain people blessed. So for example, the month of Ramadan is a blessed month. For example, the Friday is a blessed day. There are times that Allah has made blessed. There is an hour on the Friday that a person makes dua and it is accepted. That is a blessed time. The last third of the night is a blessed time. So there are times that Allah has made blessed, chosen them over other times. And there are places that Allah has made blessed. Arafah, for example, is blessed. And Mina and Muzdalifa, the Haramain, these are places that are blessed. And there are people that are blessed. The great scholars, the awliya of Allah, you would say, are blessed. So there are places and times that Allah has made blessed. However, does that mean that we can therefore go and take blessings from those things? And how? As for the places, the places that Allah has made blessed then it is not possible to take the blessings out of that place to anywhere else. Therefore, Arafah is blessed. But a person cannot go there and gather some of the dust from Arafah, some of the soil from Arafah, and take it back to his house and say that I have blessed soil in my house. This is the blessed soil of Arafah. Blessings cannot be transferred from one place to another. Arafah, that location is blessed. For example, you cannot remove the dust of the soil from Arafah and say that you are taking the blessing with you to your house as well. That blessing is there in that location only. So a person, when it comes to blessings, then it is not to be misunderstood thinking that you can take blessings from one place to another, you can transfer those blessings. But there are things which are blessed. The Kaaba is blessed, for example. But that does not mean that you perform innovation. It doesn't mean that you go and cling on to all of the sides of the Kaaba. It is not Sunnah to do so. It is an innovation. Rather, it's only the Yemeni corner and the black stone. And the area between the black stone and the door, which some of the Sahaba, it is narrated, they clung on to. But outside of that, the other sides of the Kaaba, it is not Sunnah to touch it or to wipe it. So even though the Kaaba is blessed, 
It does not mean that you therefore go and wipe all of the sides of the Kaaba thinking you are taking blessing of it. The Zamzam water for example is blessed. And that is mentioned in the Sunnah that you drink it. And it is for whatever you drink it for. So that is blessed in that way. The prophets and the messengers are blessed. But how do you take the blessings of the prophets and the messengers? Through following the guidance that they gave us. Through following the revelation that the prophets and the messengers they gave us. And then there are specific examples of the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That the companions... They used to take blessings from him whilst he was alive at that time. But thereafter now, it is not possible for a person to open up this door of seeking blessings and think you can take blessings from everywhere and anywhere. Particularly now, this this chapter, it is talking about the acts of the mushrikeen when they used to think that you can take blessings from trees and stones and idols and all of these other things that they used to have. So, Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab, rahimahullah ta'ala, he mentions here the first ayah, أَفَرَأَيْتُمُ اللَّاتَ وَالْعُزَّ وَمَنَاتَ ثَالِثَةَ الْأُخْرَى Have you seen Allat? Allah says in the Qur'an, have you seen Allat and Al-Uzza and Manat, the other one? These were three of the idols that the mushrikeen they used to worship. Three of the idols that they used to think you can take blessings from. These were three of the idols that the mushrikeen thought you could take blessings from. Lat and Uzza and Manat. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned them here in this ayah. Have you seen these three idols of theirs? And the purpose of mentioning that was to highlight that these idols of theirs, they are false idols and they cannot give you any blessing. Yet the mushrikeen used to go and they used to do tawaf around them or they used to go and sit there for lengthy periods of time next to their idols believing that they would do them good, seeking to get blessings off them. And none of that is correct and there are no blessings in this way. Allat, this particular idol of theirs, what actually was it? The scholars, they have two explanations regarding what this Lat was. One of the explanations is that Allat, if you pronounce it lightly, without a shadda, Allat, then it was a stone that had certain markings on it. It was a large, smooth stone where they had engraved and carved certain markings into it. And so they used to believe that this smooth stone that they had carved certain things into, Lat, they thought that it could give them blessings. They thought that it could give them intercession. They thought they could do things for them. Another explanation, if you say it with a shadda, Allat, then that was a righteous man who used to help the hujjaj, and he used to aid the hujjaj, help them in their activities, in their travels, in their performing of hajj whilst they were there, giving them food, etc. So when he died, the people, they made a shrine above his grave, and they took him as an idol. They took him as somebody 
that they began to worship or they used to seek barakah from also. So there are two explanations the scholars gave regarding what Allah was. Then you also have Al-Uzza. Al-Uzza, this particular idol, as the scholars have mentioned, as Shaykh Al-Fawzan says, هِيَ عِبَارَ عَنْ شَجَرَاتٍ ثَلَاثٍ This particular idol, it was not a statue or a rock or a stone, as you might think most of the idols were like that. It is not the case. Here, this particular idol, what it actually was, it was three trees. Three trees. And they used to have curtains wrapped around them to make it like a huge tent type of thing. Three huge trees. And they had these curtains wrapped all around the three of them. So inside, there was this space inside. With the curtains going from one tree, round to the next one, round to the next one. So they closed it off with the curtains around the three trunks of these trees. And inside, in the middle of it, it is narrated that there was a jinn, a jinni woman, a sorceress, inside of this three trees. And this particular place was the idol that they used to worship. You have the quarter past, or is it now? Okay, we'll pray the Isha prayer, it's time now, then we'll come back and we'll carry, carry on inshallah. Alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. So we were discussing this ayah that is mentioned in this chapter, have you seen Al-Lat and Al-Uzza and Manat, the other one? Al-Uzza, we were saying, it was these trees that they had. And around these trees, they had erected these curtains. And as a consequence, made this type of shrine thing. And in the middle of it, it is mentioned that there was a sorceress who used to speak to them when they used to go there. And so this was their so-called idol, Al-Uzza. And Manat, similarly, it was a type of rock or a stone that they had uh, close to Medina. And this was another one of their idols that they used to worship and they used to <coughs> seek the barakah from. However, these idols, when the Prophet ﷺ returned to Mecca, after the hijrah, they left, but when he returned to Mecca in the eighth year of hijrah, and the conquering of Mecca occurred, then the Prophet ﷺ destroyed all the idols. It is mentioned how there were hundreds of idols in the Kaaba and around the Kaaba, and the Prophet ﷺ, when he entered and Mecca was conquered, that with his spear he was breaking those idols. And these idols too, they were destroyed. So for example, Al-Uzza, Khalid ibn al-Walid, radiallahu anhu, was sent to destroy Al-Uzza. So it is mentioned that he went and he chopped down the trees. He went and he chopped down the trees. And when he returned to the Prophet ﷺ and he told him that he has chopped down the trees, the Prophet ﷺ said to him, you haven't done anything. You haven't done anything. لم تفعل شيئا. So Khalid ibn al-Walid radiallahu anhu went back. 
went back to the location. And when he went back to that location where he had chopped down the trees, and he examined it again, that's when he came across and he became aware of the sorceress that was in the middle. And so he killed that sorceress, he killed this uh, jinni woman as some of the narrations they say, and when he returned back to the Prophet ﷺ, then the Prophet ﷺ said to him, Tilka al-Uzza, that in reality was al-Uzza, this sorceress who was in amongst the trees that they used to go to. And similarly, the Manat idol, Ali ibn Abi Talib, uh, anhu, he was sent and he destroyed the Manat idol. And just like that, all of the other idols, they were destroyed and gotten rid of when the Prophet ﷺ went back and conquered Mecca. Some of these idols, they had been there for centuries. It is mentioned in the narrations regarding these idols that some of them, they had come from the time of Nuh salam. At the time of Nuh salam, they worshipped certain idols. And then when the floods, they came, those idols were swept away and they were buried under the seawater and they were buried to what is currently now the beaches of Jeddah. So then at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, those idols were found again and they were taken to Mecca and they were worshipped once again. So they were idols that were originally from the time of Nuh and they were rediscovered and taken back to Mecca, and they were worshipped again, up until the Prophet ﷺ returned to Mecca in the 8th year of Hijrah, and the Muslims, they overtook Mecca, and they destroyed all of those idols. So here the point of this opening being, that the mushrikeen, they used to have certain idols, that they used to seek their barakah from. Some of those idols as we've seen, they were rocks and stones. Some of those idols as we've seen here now, they were trees. And they used to seek barakah from all of these different types of idols of theirs. And this chapter is clearly showing us that this type of activity is considered as shirk. To be attempting to seek barakah, to be attempting to seek aid and assistance from others besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as the mushrikeen they used to do. The next narration is the hadith of Abu Waqid al-Layfi. And Abu Waqid al-Layfi, radiallahu anhu, was from amongst the Muslims who became Muslim after the conquering of Mecca. He had become Muslim after the conquering of Mecca. And soon after the conquering of Mecca, very soon after the conquering of Mecca, the Muslims, they headed out towards Hunayn. They headed out towards Hunayn, perhaps just a couple of weeks or three weeks, less than a month. After the conquering of Mecca, they headed out towards Hunayn. And so Abu Waqid al-Layfi, he was brand new to Islam. Him and some of the other companions who had just become Muslims now at the conquering of Mecca. So they'd barely been Muslims for a few days, a few weeks. Hardly any time at all. And he mentions that in the hadith. He says, خَرَجْنَا مَعَا رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ وسلم إِلَى حُنَيْنِ وَنَحْنُ حُدَثَاءُ عَهْدٍ بِالْإِسْلَامِ أَبِكُفَرٍ 
He says that we exited with the Prophet ﷺ to Hunayn, and we were hudatha'u ahdin bi kufr. That we had only recently left kufr. We had only recently left kufr. They had only just become Muslims very early prior to that. And so as they were heading out to Hunayn, they saw or they mentioned, وَلِلْمُشْرِكِينَ صِدْرَةِ يَعْكِفُونَ عِنْدَهَا وَيَنُطُونَ بِهَا أَصْلِحَتَهُمْ He said that the mushrikeen, they used to have certain types of trees where they would put their weapons, their swords and their spears and their shields, they would hang them on these certain types of trees, believing that there would be barakah, blessings that would come from this tree into their weapons. So they would hang their weapons on these certain types of trees, and they would sit at those trees, like as if you are meditating or something. They would sit around those trees, do i'tikaf at those trees for long times, for lengthy periods of times and hang their weapons on the branches, believing that there was barakah in these trees. So Abu Waqid al-Layfi, uh, anhu, he mentions that the mushrikeen used to do this. They used to have these certain trees, where they used to hang these weapons of theirs, etc. يُقَالُ لَهَا ذَاتُ أَنْوَاتِ So those trees were known as ذَاتُ أَنْوَاتِ, the ones where they used to hang their weapons uh, uh, and their shields, etc. from. So he says, فَمَرَرْنَا بِسِدْرَةٍ He says, we walked past one of those particular types of trees, the sidra type of tree, the ones that the mushrikeen used to use. He says, we walked past one of those. So obviously they remembered. And he said, فَقُلْنَا So we said to the Prophet ﷺ, we said to the Prophet ﷺ, يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ اِجْعَلْ لَنَا ذَاتَ أَنْوَاطٍ كَمَا لَهُمْ ذَاتُ أَنْوَاطٍ O Messenger of Allah, can you make for us a tree? Are we allowed to have a tree to hang our weapons etc. just as the mushrikeen have a tree and they hang their weapons and they get barakah? So the companions they asked, the new, brand new companions at this time, they asked the Prophet ﷺ, is that allowed for us to do? Can we have a tree just like the mushrikeen, they used to have a tree, or they still do, and they put their weapons on it, etc., and they get barakah. So they were asking, they were inquiring to the Prophet ﷺ about that. Is that possible to do as well or not? And here a Shaykh al-Fawzan says, this was due to the fact that they were brand new to Islam, and they hadn't yet learnt all of the correct aqidah and everything. This was new they had only just left Kufr. They had only just come to Islam. So they were learning yet. They were learning the correct aqidah. They were learning the correct way. So this, as Shaykh al-Fawzan, he explains, that if a person, generally speaking now, outside of the companions, a person, any person, if you don't have knowledge about something, then it can lead to a person possibly committing an error. The Shaykh says, هَذَا دَلِيلٌ عَلَىٰ آفَةِ الْجَهْلِ This shows to you how much of a problem ignorance can bring to you. A person who doesn't know something, you don't have some knowledge about certain parts of the aqidah or the religion, you could fall into error. وَأَنَّ الْإِنسَانَ قَدْ يَقَعُ فِي الشِّرْكِ بِسَبَبِ الْجَهْلِ 
and a person he may end up falling into shirk due to his ignorance. وَفِيهِ الْحَثْ عَلَى تَعَلُّمِ الْعَقِيدَةِ وَمَعْرِفَتِهَا وَالتَّبَصُّرْ فِيهَا خَشْيَةً أَنْ يَقَعَ الْإِنسَانُ فِي مِثْلِ مَا وَقَعَ فِيهِ هَؤُلَاءِ So in this hadith also is an encouragement for us. It's an encouragement for everybody to make sure that they learn the correct aqidah. Because otherwise you may end up falling into some error that you're not aware of. So here, the companions, they were brand new, some of these companions. They were brand new, barely just come to Islam. So they were inquiring and they were questioning the Prophet ﷺ regarding these trees. Because that's what they knew the mushrikeen used to do, that's what they were used to before. So they were requesting or they were inquiring to the Prophet ﷺ about these trees and hanging the weapons, are we allowed to have a tree, etc. So the Prophet ﷺ, when he heard this inquiry from them, he said, Allahu Akbar. He replied by saying, Allahu Akbar. And that was due to the shock or the amazement or the surprise at this request or at this inquiry about having a tree and putting the weapons on them to seek the barakah, etc. So he was uh, amazed or surprised at this. And this was something that was not pleasing, of course. So he said, sunan." That indeed it is the sunan, meaning that the people follow in the footsteps of others. The people, they follow in the footsteps of others. What happened previously happens again. Qulta, the Prophet said to them, you have said, بيده, by the one whom my soul is in his hand, you have said, kama qalat banu Israel Musa You have just now said, the same as what the people of Musa alayhi salam, Bani Israel, said to Musa alayhi salam. What did they say to Musa alayhi salam? They had said to him, اِجْعَلْ لَنَا إِلَٰهًا كَمَا لَهُمْ Make for us a god just as they have gods. Make for us a deity just as they have deities. قَالَ إِنَّكُمْ قَوْمٌ تَجْهَلُونَ he said, indeed, you are a group of people who are ignorant. This was, as the scholars they mentioned, after Musa salam was saved from Fir'aun, and the sea, it collapsed upon Fir'aun, and he was drowned, and his people, and Musa salam and those who were with him, the believers, they crossed over, and they were saved. Then as they crossed over, and they were saved on the other side of the bank, on the other side of the shore, then they came across the mushrikeen with their various idols, and their calves, etc., and so they said to Musa salam, can you make for us deities as they have all of these deities? So the Prophet said to them, you have made an inquiry similar to the inquiry of those people to Musa salam regarding are we allowed to take these other deities etc. Meaning that this was obviously something incorrect. Obviously it is impermissible to take a tree, to place your weapons upon it, to place your goods upon it. Believing that there will be barakah which comes from the tree to your weapons and to your shields and to uh, you sitting there and doing i'tikaf at this tree. Then this type of belief is obviously incorrect and there is no barakah from those affairs. So the Prophet ﷺ replied, Allahu Akbar. When they made this statement, he said to them, Allahu Akbar. Inna sunan. It is the way of the people. So the Prophet ﷺ, he was angered. And Nabi ﷺ, غضبه. لَمَّا قَالُوا لَهُ هَذَا الْكَلَامُ وَتَعَجَّبَ 
So the Prophet ﷺ was angered and he was very surprised and shocked at this statement of theirs. وَكَبَّرَ اللَّهَ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى تَنْزِيهًا لِلَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلَ عَنْ هَذَا الْعَمَلِ And so he declared the takbir of Allah, Allahu Akbar. So as to say that Allah is free uh, of this deficiency or of this type of seeking of barakah, that this is not from the religion of Allah, this is not from the tawheed, and Allah is free from any deficiency of that nature. And this was from the way of the Prophet ﷺ, that إِذَا أَعْجَبَهُ شَيْءٍ That if he was amazed by something, أَوْ إِسْتَنْكَرَ شَيْءً Or he disliked something, he wanted to show his rebuke for something, أَنَّهُ يُسَبِّحُ That he would make the tasbih, say subhanallah, or yukabbiru. He would make the takbir, Allahu Akbar. So he would say subhanallah, or Allahu Akbar. If there was an affair that either amazed him, or it was something that disliked him, or he disliked it, and wanted to show his rebuke of it, then he would say subhanallah, or Allahu Akbar. So here he said to them, Allahu Akbar, إِنَّهَا السُّنَنْ يَعْنِيَ الطُرُقَ الْمَسْلُوكَةِ This is the way of the people, he tells them. This is the way of the people. أَيْ السَّبَبْ الَّذِي أَوْقَعَكُمْ فِي هَذَا هُوَ التَّشَبُّهْ بِمَا عَلِيهِ النَّاسِ Meaning, what the Prophet ﷺ intended by that statement, إِنَّهَا السُّنَنْ That people, they follow in each other's footsteps. So now, these people, they had become Muslims. They had become Muslims now. But previously all they knew was about these trees and the mushrikeen used to put their uh, weapons upon those trees and do itikaf around them. So from that idea that they had of those mushrikeen, what they used to do, based upon that then they made this inquiry. So the Prophet ﷺ said, this is how it is with people. They see what others are doing and they follow in their footsteps. So they saw what the mushrikeen were doing or what they used to do and they made an inquiry based upon that. So the Prophet ﷺ said, إِنَّهَا السُّنَنْ فَالتَّشَبُّهْ بِالْكُفَّارِ فِي عِبَادَاتِهِمْ وَتَقَالِيدِهِمْ الْخَاصَّ بِهِمْ آفَةٌ خَطِيرَةٌ So generally speaking now, the Shaykh says that generally speaking, imitating the kuffar in any way, imitating the kuffar, uh, following their practices, then it can lead to a calamity. It can lead to a calamity and it is very dangerous. And the Prophet ﷺ said, مَنْ تَشَبَّهَ بِقَوْمٍ فَهُوَ مِنْهُمْ That whomsoever imitates a people, then he is from them. And the shaykh then says, الشيخ الفوزان وَمَا أَصَابَ بَعْضَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ مِنَ الْأُمُورِ شَنِيعًا أَغْلَبَهُ أَوْ أَغْلَبُهُ مِنْ جِهَةِ التَّشَبُّهِ بِالْكُفَّارِ He says, from amongst some of the degrading and extreme type of disgusting affairs that have overcome some of the Muslims, then it is due to them wanting to imitate the ways of the disbelievers. Wanting to imitate the ways of those who are not upon Islam. So that has been one of the causes for some of the greatly degrading affairs that some of the Muslims engage in. وَأَوَّلُ مَا حَدَثَ الشِّرْكِ فِي مَكَّةِ هُوَ بِسَبَبِ التَّشَبُّهِ بِالْكُفَّارِ And when shirk first occurred in Mecca, it was due to the imitation of the disbelievers. لِأَنَّهُ لَمَّا ذَهَبَ عَمَرِ بْنِ الْحَيْءَ الْخُزَاءِ إِلَى الشَّامِ وَوَجَدَ أَهْلَ الشَّامِ يَعْبُدُونَ الْأَصْنَامِ أَعْجَبَهُ ذَلِكَ وَجَلَبَهَا إِلَى الْحِجَازِ Because when Amr ibn Luhay al-Khuzai 
When this individual went to Sham at that time and he saw that the people of Sham, they worship idols, it was something that pleased him, it amazed him, he liked it. So he brought back idols to Mecca. So due to his imitation of what he saw them doing, he came and did it himself and he brought the idols to Mecca. And so they began to get worshipped in Mecca also. And so from that time onwards, this shirk it spread in the land of Hijaz. فَهُوَ أَوَّلُ مَنْ غَيَّرَ دِينَ إِبْرَاهِيمَ عَلَيْهِ الصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ So this individual, Amr ibn Lihayya al-Khaza'i, he was the first individual to change the religion of Ibrahim. Otherwise in the land of Hijaz, they were upon the remnants, the remains or the leftovers, from what had come to them, from the religion of Ibrahim alayhi salam. But then this individual, he brought the idols, and then the shirk it began in that way. So the Prophet said to them, You have said just as Bani Israel said to Musa alayhi salam, اِجْعَلْ لَنَا إِلَٰهًا كَمَا لَهُمْ آلِهَا Make for us uh, gods just as they have gods. النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ وسلم, يُبَيِّنُ أَنَّ هَذِهِ عَادَ قَدِيمَ فِي الْعَالَمِ So the Prophet ﷺ was explaining to them that this is an old habit which exists in the world from olden times. وَأَنَّهَا حَصَلَتْ عَلَىٰ عَهْدِ مُوسَىٰ عَلَيْهِ السلام. And that this is something which occurred at the time of Musa alayhi salam, i.e. meaning that people imitate other people and they fall into error. وَذَلِكَ أَنَّ اللَّهَ لَمَّا نَجَّى بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلَ مِنْ فَرْعَوْنَ وَأَغْرَقَ فِرْعَوْنَ وَقَوْمَهُ Because when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saved Fir'aun, or rather saved Banu Israel and Musa alayhi salam, and drowned Fir'aun and the people of Fir'aun, مَرُّوا فِي طَرِيقِهِمْ عَلَىٰ قَوْمٍ يَعْكُفُونَ عَلَىٰ أَصْنَامٍ لَهُمْ they crossed over and they came across a group of people who used to do i'tikaf with the idols. Sit next to the idols for a long time and seek barakah etc. from the idols. So they said to Musa a.s. Can you make for us deities just as they have all of these deities? طَلَبُوا مِنْ مُوسَىٰ أَنَّهُ يَجْعَلُ لَهُمْ صَنَمًا يَعْبُدُونَهُ كَهَاؤُلَاءِ الَّذِينَ يَعْبُدُونَ صَنَمًا They sought from Musa a.s. that he should give them an idol that they can worship just as those people were worshipping their idols. So Musa alayhi salam said to them, إِنَّكُمْ قَوْمٌ تَجْهَلُونَ Indeed, you are a group of people who are ignorant of the affair. أَسَّبَبُ الَّذِي أَوْقَعَكُمْ فِي هَذَا هُوَ الْجَهْلُ بِالتَّوْحِيدِ The reason that you have fallen into this error is due to your ignorance of tawheed, due to your lack of understanding of the reality of tawheed. فَيُوجِبُ عَلَى الْمُسْلِمِينَ أَنْ يَتَعَلَّمُ الْعَقِيدَةِ this, therefore, these incidents, these narrations, they highlight to you how important it is for a Muslim that it is obligatory upon a Muslim to learn his aqidah. وَلَا يَكْتَفُوا بِقَوْلِهِمْ And that the Muslims should not suffice by simply saying, نَحْنُ مُسْلِمُونَ That we are Muslims. Or, نَحْنُ فِي بِلَادِ Islam, That we live in a Muslim country for those who do. Not to say that we are Muslims or we live in a Muslim country أو نحن في بيئة إسلامية or that we are in an Islamic environment where we live in our community not to make these types of statements and to think that you're safe now you're living in a Muslim country or you're living in a Muslim environment those types of things will not save you rather it is your seeking of knowledge to remove the ignorance otherwise you may fall into kufr or shirk out of ignorance, simply not having the knowledge of your correct aqidah. So here we see that this request or this inquiry of the companions, it came about 
due to them not having learned all of that aqidah yet. And that is explained in the hadith, because they were brand new to Islam yet. So the point which is taken from that is that when somebody doesn't have the knowledge yet, then it's possible you may fall into error. The companions, because they were brand new to Islam. Other Muslims nowadays, maybe they've been Muslims for years, yet they don't bother to learn the correct aqidah. They don't bother to learn about Tawheed. They don't bother to learn about the ahadith, the narrations, the sunnah, the Qur'an. So this is something which is binding upon us to do. فَالْحَاصِلْ So the point being here, the point of the narration, the shaykh says, أَنَّ التَّبَرُّكَ بِالْأَشْجَارِ وَالْأَحْجَارِ هُوَ مِنْ سُنَّةِ الْمُشْرِكِينَ Seeking blessings from trees or stones, and even now going to graves and these types of things. This is, the shaykh says, a sunnah. But whose sunnah? The sunnah of the mushrikeen. This is the sunnah of the mushrikeen. Seeking blessings from trees and stones and graves and whatever else. That is not from the sunnah of the believers. It is from the sunnah of the mushrikeen, the shaykh says. And it is, min sunnatil jahiliyyah. It is from the sunnah of jahiliyyah. From the days of ignorance. وَمَنْ فَعَلَهُ فَهُوَ مُتَشَبِّهٌ بِالْكُفَّارِ And whomsoever does that, then he is imitating the kuffar. وَهُوَ كَافِرٌ مِثْلُهُمْ And he is a disbeliever just like them. لا فرق بين من يعبد القبر ومن يعبد اللات والعزة The shaykh says there is no difference between somebody who worships a grave and the mushrikeen who used to worship allat, the trees with the sorceress inside, or Allah, rather, the stone, or Al-Uzza, the tree, or Allah, the grave of that person. The mushrikeen used to worship those types of things and seek blessings from them. The shaykh says there's no difference between that and somebody now going to a grave seeking the same types of blessings, or seeking intercession, or seeking barakah. لا فرق بين من يعبد اللات والعزة أو الذي يطلب البركة من الشجرة والذي يطلبها من الصنم لا فرق بينهما. So there is no difference between a person going to a tree or a person going to a stone or a person going to other affairs seeking blessings. All of that is impermissible. So the Sheikh says, therefore, we understand أن هذا فيه دليل على أن العبرة في المعاني لا في الألفاظ. فاختلاف الألفاظ لا يؤثر وإن سموه توسلا أو سموه إظهارا لشرف الصالحين أو وفاء بحقهم علينا كما يقولون هذا هو الشرك The Sheikh says changing the terminology does not change the reality of something So if somebody comes along and says to you but we're not seeking blessings from the people of the grave we're not seeking blessings from them we're not seeking barakah from them but they go there, and they do the i'tikaf there, they sit there for a long time, they make dua there, they seek intercession, they do all of those things there, and they say, no, but we're not seeking any blessings from them. So now, even if they change the terminology of what they say, it doesn't change the reality of what they are doing. They are going there, they are sitting at the grave, they're doing all of these actions which are haram, even if they then give you the terminology, and they say, but we're not seeking barakah. Even if they say that to you, the reality is that's exactly what they are doing. So changing the name of something doesn't change the reality of it. And this is a principle that they mention in Usul al-Fiqh. Changing the name of something does not change the reality of it. So now, you have a bank account, and this particular bank says to you that we don't do interest. 
There is no interest in our accounts. We only do something called a beneficial proportion. They give it some other terminology, whatever they want to call it. And they say that's just a percentage of money that goes on every month, etc., etc. They explain it, they do this, they do that. They tell you all about it. But they say it's not interest though. It's finance, it's this, it's that, it's profit, it's benefit. They give you all types of terminology. The reality is at the end of the day, that additional money which you did not put into your account but it goes on is interest. Whether they want to call it that or they don't want to call it that, it is interest. A person has a bottle of alcohol. They take off the wrapper, rip it off and put an orange juice wrapper on it. Inside the bottle is still what? It is still alcohol. Changing the name of the wrapper to an orange juice wrapper doesn't make that bottle now orange juice. It is still alcohol. So changing the name of something does not change the reality of it. So if they come to you now and say, we're not doing any shirk, we're not seeking any barakah, we're not doing this, we're not doing that. The reality of their actions, when they go to the graves, they make the dua there, they seek the intercession for the dua to be taken. They are doing the reality of their action the same. Whether they want to call it that, or they don't want to call it that, the reality of their action doesn't change whatever name they give it. So the shaykh says that is something to bear in mind. That they will say to you, we're not seeking intercession, but the reality is they go there, they make dua, they want their dua to be taken, that is intercession. So you have to look at the reality of something, the names do not uh, change the reality of something. فَالْأَسْمَاءِ لَا تُغَيِّرْ الْحَقَائِقِ Names do not change the reality of something. إِذَا سُمِّيَتْ شِرْكْ تَوَسُّلًا أو محبة لصالحين أو وفاء بحقهم نقول الأسماء لا تغير الحقائق. So if they come and they say to you, no, all we are doing at the graves is showing our love for these awliya of Allah. That's why we're here. We're just here, we're sitting here, we're making dua just for our love of the salihin, our love of these awliya and pious people. That's it. No other shirk or anything. You tell them even if that's what you want to call it. You want to tell us you're only here to show your love for the salihin? You can call it that. The reality of what you're doing here is making dua, making i'tikaf, you're doing all types of actions that are shirk, even if you want to call it our love for the awliya. Your terminology does not affect the reality of what you are doing. So the shaykh says in conclusion here, that we understand the great uh, danger of imitating the disbelievers, the great danger of imitating the mushrikeen. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ said, لَتَرْكَبُنَّ سُنَنَ مَنْ قَبْلَكُمْ That you will end up walking into the path of those who came before you. You will follow upon the pathway of those who came before you. So we see, التَّبَرُّكْ لَا يَجُوزْ لَا بِالْأَشْجَارِ وَلَا بِالْأَحْجَارِ وَلَا بِالْأَشْخَاصِ وَلَا بِالْحُجْرَةِ النَّبَوِيَّةِ وَلَا بِقَبْرِ النَّبِيَّ Sallam. Seeking blessings is not permissible from trees or stones or people or the house of the Prophet ﷺ or the grave of the Prophet ﷺ. Seeking blessings from these affairs is not permissible. لِأَنَّ هَذِهِ الْأُمُورِ لَمْ تَكُنْ مُنْفَصِلَ عَنْ نَبْسَلَّمْ وَلَيْسَتْ مِنْ جَسَدِهِ These affairs were not something that was split from the Prophet ﷺ and they were not something that uh, is to be taken barakah from. When the Prophet ﷺ was alive, did the companions used to seek barakah from him or not? Yes. 
They did. When he was alive, they used to seek barakah from him. As for after the death of the Prophet ﷺ, then what is correct is that it is not permissible to seek the barakah from the uh, uh, Prophet ﷺ or that which remains regarding the Prophet ﷺ. But during his lifetime, then they used to seek barakah from him. But after his death, then it is not permissible for a person to go to the grave of the Prophet ﷺ to wipe the walls thinking you're going to get barakah. That is not from the religion and that is not from the correct understanding. So that's where we'll conclude today. Next week's chapter is regarding the one who slaughters for other than the sake of Allah. The one who slaughters for other than the sake of Allah. That's where we'll continue next week inshallah. Uh, seven then? Eight o'clock uh, the prayer. Also sweet after Isha then. So uh, uh, the prayer is 8 p.m. The prayer next week Isha is 8 p.m. So straight after the prayer, quarter past eight, we'll begin this insha'Allah. Eight o'clock the prayer, straight after the prayer, we'll begin this. Not 7.30. Eight o'clock is the prayer, after the prayer, quarter past eight, we'll start this. Insha'Allah.